Chapter 12 A Day to Remember March, 1774 The room was tense, and Thomas always despised when officers would force themselves into his home for meetings. Thomas especially despised the arrogant continuance resting upon Major General Agador Ivy's satisfied face. You say these bandits got away earlier today, did you? Thomas asked the officer with urgency in his voice. Quite certainly, yes, the Major General says smugly. Why do you look so accomplished then? Thomas asks, taking a sip of the warm coffee. That is the question, isn't it? The smug officer replies to Thomas with clear arrogance. Well, that would put an end to this pointless mystery. If the bandits escaped and killed 42 men, that sounds like a defeat. And you need to reevaluate your strategy, the old city leader says to the younger Major General. Possibly. But you see, I saw them, he says excitedly, scooting closer to Thomas, leaning off his chair. I saw them with my own two eyes. I saw all four of them. A smile creases into his battle-hardened face. What did the traitors look like? Thomas asked, playing into the man's excitement. A black, a white, woman, and redskin. Quite the collection of vagabonds, wouldn't you say? The words leave the mouth of the eerie officer. A bizarre combination, I will say, Thomas agrees, nodding his head. Apparently, they were quite the spectacle to see, dashing and slicing, stabbing and shooting. The survivors are genuinely shaken, and most likely have to spend their years in an asylum being eaten away by rats. He sucks his teeth. Poor souls. The words are full of insincerity. How do we find these four bastards? Thomas says, ignoring the man's removal of empathy. Like all wild game, you set a trap. <sighs> Another trap, Thomas asks in disbelief. Yes, because now I have been provided a new piece of the puzzle. Their faces. And those I'll never forget. They think they have fluidity throughout Boston in this area. This is the king's waterways, the king's air, and the king's land. These petty bandits will be killed the next time they expose themselves, that I will ensure myself, the Major General says, resting back into his chair, satisfied. If you say it is four individuals, then we will root them out immediately. How far can a group that diverse get? Thomas asked rhetorically, again, playing into the officer's emotions. My thoughts exactly. They will show themselves eventually, and every foot soldier stationed in the city will know their faces. I am holding a regimental inspection in the coming weeks, and then I will inform the soldiers of these extremists. I will also elaborate on the murder of Captain Valet. The Major General says matter-of-factly. Well, very well, Thomas says, standing up, indicating it was time for his guest to leave. The Major General stands up and begins exiting the house. Thomas follows him into the hall and says to the officer just before he exits, Be safe out there, Major General. Safety is for the weak. Major General scoffs and smiles, exiting the old city leader's home. The wound in Nemesha's abdomen would need to heal, but for the next year or so, he would need to rest and heal. Thomas sent for his personal physician as soon as the five of them arrived in Charleston and were smuggled back into Boston, on the north docks just past the mill dam. Once back in the heart of Boston, they quietly put Nimish on a wheelbarrow and quickly rolled him to the rancid alley with the abandoned tavern. Thomas had a route 
pre-planned for them to take where there were no British soldiers. They quickly moved to the basement through the dark entrance room, and within seconds, they had his gray coat off and were treating his wound. Nimish cries out as a physician digs deeper, trying to remove the lead ball from his abdomen. Thomas comes in the room urgently, shutting and locking the door behind him. Who else is wounded? Thomas asks quickly, trying to assess the four others. No one, James Robinson says in his smooth demeanor and deep tone. The blood on your clothes is not yours? Thomas asks, looking at the exhausted band of warriors as a light in the room showed their clothing was covered with blood spatter. It was a massacre, Shakespeare interjects and continues. Add that he changed the outcome. We would have been captured or killed, truly. Your nephew knows how to use a bow and a tomahawk. It was a bloody masterpiece. Adahi, still standing, removes his tobacco pouch, clay pipe, wick ball, and hemp seed hops pouch. His actions in the daytime were needed for the group to survive, but they should have been more cautious. The ambush was a clear mishap. The deaths still weighed on Adahi's mind next to Nimish nearly dying. It was a mistake to arrogantly attack the caravan. He mixes the hemp seed hops and tobacco before pinching a large amount and packing his clay pipe bowl. Lighting the wick's end, he torches a bowl, puffing the pipe until it's lit, and begins inhaling the smoke. A sense of calm stretches across his body, an invigorating relief. Nix, you were right from the beginning. We should have never attacked that caravan. The Major General just confirmed to me that it was his plan all along to try and kill the King's Bane with this ambush. Thomas pauses. He saw your faces. He knows about James Robinson, Shakespeare, Nix, and you, Adahi. He must not have seen Nimish on the boat, but he certainly saw the rest of you, Thomas says to the group in a low tone, almost disappointed himself that he was fed enticing intelligence to lure the King's Bane for an ambush. Yes, he waved to us, smiling. Make no mistake, I shall see you again. It hasn't left my mind, Shakespeare says eerily and shakes his body as if he was trying to rid the image from his mind. The Major General is a bit theatrical, wouldn't you say? Thomas says and continues. He is quickly becoming a thorn in my side. I should have been smarter, Thomas says lamentedly, looking over at Nimish. We trust your judgment, and we are eager to fight, for that we can't deny, James Robinson says honestly. Agreed. You must not shoulder the blame alone. It is on all of us who acted together, as one, Shakespeare said to Thomas, reinforcing James Robinson's words. I, too, agree. We are all at fault. But where do we go from here? It is clear this scum seeks to root us out. It will not take him long. Should we leave the city? Nix asks as she sits down in a chair around the fireplace. We become shadows, Adahi says calmly before continuing. No more attacking caravans. He clearly knows our objectives for targeting the king's personal shipments. It is no longer worth our effort. Our focus is the major general and removing him and whatever roots he has planted here, Adahi says confidently to the others, still youthfully naive at the severity of the situation. Thomas looks at Adahi and then to the king's bane. Do you all agree with him? Eh, we either kill him now or he's going to kill us, Shakespeare laments. We cannot get close to him, and the only person who can, Thomas, cannot risk his place as a city leader, Nick says. Like the boy said, we become shadows. We have nowhere to run to. We need to stay low as long as we can, James Robinson says. Thomas nods and seemingly rules in favor of the decision to stay but to stay in the shadows until there is sanctuary outside the city. I will take this man to Charleston and out of the city where he will be safe in my office. He needs a rest, the physician says to Thomas. What is the diagnosis? Thomas asks. I removed the shot, but he needs more supplies that I do not have here, 
The physician replied, Very well. Take him quickly and quietly. The physician nods at Thomas and guides Nimish off the table. The king's bane walked toward the entrance of the room. Nimish, be strong. We will see you soon, Thomas says, putting his hand on Nimish's shoulder. Take care of yourself and move as quickly as you can, Shakespeare says sincerely to the wounded man. We will meet again, Nick says to Nimish. Addy, he opens the door. Be safe, be smart, and be silent. Heal fast. The physician helps Nimish walk as quietly as they can through the dark entrance room and up the stairs onto the dank, dark street. Within a matter of moments, they were on a horse and rode toward the north docks into the darkness of the cool spring night.